a few of us here right now but that's okay you just have to listen to make up for all the empty seats right so uh, we're going to start in the book of revelations and I want to speak this evening the Lord being willing on the end of trespass or the end of trespasses those of you that uh, went to the Bible study uh, whether you're online or uh, you're here there'll be some familiar stuff in this but uh, it's kind of it's been really interesting. So uh, let's stand while we read the Bible. Uh, Revelations chapter 1. And uh, we'll, we'll just read uh, a few verses there. From verse 4. And then we'll go to uh, Genesis. Uh, John unto the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be to you and peace from him, from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits that are before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion ever and ever. Amen. And that's really, uh, that's the thought, but the next couple of verses are so good, I'm going to read them too. All right. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. They also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. So he's coming, and everyone's going to see him. All right, now, while you're still standing, let's turn over to Genesis, and uh, we will hit Genesis chapter 3, and from verse 22. And this is the beginning of trespasses, okay? And the Lord God said, this is verse 22, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. Now, lest he put forth his hand, and take also of the tree of life, and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden, to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims, and a flaming sword which turned every way, to keep the way of the tree of life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. It's exciting. Thank you for these times that we're living in. They're exciting. May we prepare our hearts. May we prepare our lives for your coming. May we hear your word and may it draw us one step closer to you this evening. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats. So the beginning of trespasses, a trespass is when you go somewhere or when you do something that you're not meant to do. 
And so until there is a place where you're not meant to go, you can't trespass on that place. And God wanted fellowship. You know, it's really nice. We got a cat, Honey Boots. And sometimes she doesn't want to play with me. And sometimes she's a bit scritchy. But sometimes, and this evening was one of those times, I'll come home from work and she'll just come up and she'll be all affectionate. And I'll lay back and she'll lay on my tummy and she'll just purr and I'll stroke her. And it's kind of nice. And, you know, she's not trying to bite me or scratch me. She's, uh, and, and, and that's nice. That's fellowship, if you like. That's fellowship. And it's, it's comfortable for me and it's comfortable for the cat. And we're getting along together. And God wants fellowship with us. And we know that. And God created the Garden of Eden for us to have fellowship. He put man in the garden for him to have fellowship with. And we know this just from this little clue in Scripture. Where man fell. And in verse 8 of chapter 3 it says they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And so there's a time in the cool of the day when God came down to walk, to have fellowship, to talk with his family, to... um, you know, to have his little pet cat curl up on his tummy and just stroke it and just be like, I feel good, you feel good, we're all feeling good together and this is, this is an expression of love and this is an expression of fellowship and we have a place and we have no limits on where we can fellowship but sin came and when sin came, there came a, a place where God said, you can't come into the garden anymore. You can't do it anymore. We're not going to be able to have that fullness of fellowship that I desire anymore. It's not possible because of the sin problem. He said, but there'll there'll be a way where you can come back and you can approach because I still want that fellowship. But now because of the sin problem, it's going to be under strict rules and, and you're going to have to make an atonement. You're going to have to obey my law in order to come back into fellowship with me. And we see this in chapter 4, where Cain and Abel both took a sacrifice. Where did they take the sacrifice to? To the garden, to the place where the cherubims were, to the guarding place, where they said, God, won't you let me come back in to fellowship with you in just a small way? And God respected Abel's sacrifice, and he said, I will come back into fellowship with you, because that's his desire. But there was a limit, there was a place you couldn't go, and there were steps that you had to follow to get back into fellowship with God because of the sin problem. Because, well, you know, uh, COVID, it's, it's not, all right, it's not as bad as everyone says, apparently. Because I just read on the news and and finally Google and YouTube and they're allowing this news to come out that 94% of the people that died from COVID actually died from comorbidities. They died with COVID rather than from COVID. So that's good that they're starting to let these things come out in the open because it means they're finally seeing there's there's a finish in sight. Okay. There's a finishing site. But there are some pretty horrible diseases. There are diseases where if you have them, they, they just they separate you from, from the entire world. And, and they put up plastic barriers. And the nurses that come in to take care of you, they, they have fully uh, protected suits, hazard suits to come in to care for you. Because the disease is so deadly 
that that it could affect the nurse, that it could get and it could uh, contaminate other people. And it's so sad. And you see the pictures of, of people suffering in those conditions. And it's wonderful that we have medical science to take care of them. But when we see people suffering in those conditions and you see the people and they're the other side of the plastic or the other side of the glass and they'll put their hand up and the other person will put their hand up. It's like, I love you and I wish I could be with you. And this is a symbol of my fellowship. I wish I could touch you. I wish I could take you in my arms. I wish I could hold you and I could hug you, but I can't. All I can do at the moment is show you my desire by putting my hand on this glass right by your hand. You see? And that's the kind of conditions that God wants to love us. And he wants to express the fullness of his love. And he wants to take us in his arms. And he wants to hold us and comfort us. But he says at the moment, because of the contagion that you have, we can't have the fellowship that I want us to have. And so he said, but here's a way. Here's a way that we can start having that fellowship. Bring the right offering. Bring the right sacrifice. Follow the law so we can get back into fellowship. And he desired those avenues of fellowship. And he said, I'll make a way to come back into that fullness of fellowship that I had with my children. And he he set up a group. And you know, um, when you're trialing a, uh, a new drug, when you're trialing a new treatment, you have... A, a, a treatment group, like a beta group, or uh, and, and God says, "Well, uh, I'm going to have to get me a, a a beta group to test things out on." And He chose Abraham, and He chose the family of Abraham, and He chose the people of uh, the Jews, the uh, the people of Israel. And then we can see His desire in Exodus chapter 19. And he says, I'm going to make a way, I'm going to set up containment, I'm going to set up the sacrifices, I'm going to set up the antibiotics so I can come in and I can touch you and I can have fellowship with you and I can solve your problem so we can be together again. Okay, so this is Exodus 19 verse 3. And Moses went up unto God and the Lord called to him out of the mountain saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob. And tell the children of Israel, ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagle wings, and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then shall ye be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which ye shall speak unto the children of Israel. And God set up the tabernacle, and God set up a way that he could fellowship with them, in a peculiar way, in a holy way, in a separated way, in a way unlike any of the other people on the earth. And if we go to the end of the book of Exodus, we can see this comes to a fullness, comes to a, a, a conclusion. And if we just start from verse 33, chapter 40 of Exodus, it says, And he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar, and set up the hanging of the court gate, so Moses finished the work. And a cloud 
covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation, because the cloud abode thereupon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onwards in their journey. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they journeyed not till the day it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and a fire was on it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel, throughout all their journeys. And God had made a way of fellowship again. And God says, I'm with you in this very, very special way. But even in that special way, there were boundaries, there were places where you couldn't trespass. And we all know about the tabernacle. Okay, We know about the outer court, we know about the holy place, and we know about the, the most holy place. Okay, And we know, uh, we know that there was a separation. And every, every time you got closer to God, closer to that very, that very place where the presence of God and the pillar of fire came down, and he says to Moses... I will commune with you between the two wings of the cherubim. And I will come down and I'll speak to you personally. And every step you got closer and closer to that, there was a separation you had to undergo. Otherwise you were trespassing. Okay? So we can tell this, the Gentiles first of all. Let's turn to Acts chapter 21. So the Gentiles could come near, but they couldn't come in. Okay? <clears throat> Verse 27. And just as an example, it says, uh, and when, this is Paul was purifying himself in the temple. And when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law in this place. Furthermore, he brought Greeks also into the temple and hath polluted this holy place. For they had seen before with him in the city uh, Tro, Trohe, Trohemus, an Ephesian, whom they supposed Paul had brought into the temple. And all the city was moved. And the people ran together. And they took the Paul and drew him out of the temple and forthwith the doors were shut. And they say there was in on the Temple Mount, if you look at it and you do a little studying, there were boundary set, boundary stones set that said only Jews beyond this point. So there was the court of the Gentiles and so you could come near and you could look at the splendor. But there was a boundary and you couldn't go into that boundary. Or you were well you see the kind of reaction that it it it, uh, it got from the Jews and the Romans were there to keep the peace and so yeah and in that first tabernacle there was that white fence around the outside separating the outside from the inside and on the outside the Gentiles the uncircumcised stayed outside but who could go inside well the people could go in, the, the children of Israel could go into the first uh, area without trespassing. And if we look at First Kings uh, chapter 1, 
we'll see an example of this. Yeah, and we know everything in the Bible types out, and and uh, Solomon and and David had many wives, but that wasn't the Lord's will. The Lord's perfect way was one man and one wife, as in the Garden of Eden. And uh, if you read the history of the children of Israel and the history uh, of the kings, you will see how much trouble came when one man had more than one wife okay uh it's uh and this this is a situation that arises out of it because because adonijah was david's oldest son by one wife and he had been a he had been a faithful son of david not like absalom he didn't rebel he didn't do anything wrong and when david was dying adonijah says okay I'm going to be king. And so he takes a certain amount of his supporters and they make him king. And uh, the prophet comes to Bathsheba and says, hey, you better get in front of King David while he's still alive. Because otherwise you're in danger of being put to death. Because that's what would happen is they would kill everyone else from the other side of the family who could have a rival claim. So David makes Solomon king, and then there's a slight civil war. And, well, politics has always been messy. Don't think that our politics is particularly messy above all other ages. Just read the Bible and you'll see this is, this is kind of standard for human behavior. But Adonijah, verse 50, And Adonijah feared because of Solomon, and arose and went and caught hold on the horns of the altar. And it was told Solomon, saying, Behold, Adonijah feareth King Solomon, for lo, he hath caught hold on the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear to me this day that he will not slay his servant with the sword. And so you see, he went into that, the, the sanctuary, and where the altar was, a burnt offering, the big brass altar that Moses made, he caught hold of the horns and said, don't remove me, I'm here because here is the place where God has mercy on all of us. And here is the place where I'm holding on to God's mercy, so extend your mercy to me. And it wasn't a trespass for him to go into there and do that. Alright? So, the children of Israel could go into that first uh, beyond the first barrier without trespassing. But they couldn't go into the holy place. The holy place was just for the priests. It was just for the sons of Aaron. And we can see this um, in Second Chronicles is, is a good example of this. Verse 2 uh, Chronicles chapter 26. Uzziah the king.
And it says in verse 16, but when his heart was strong, when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Now the altar of incense, now we're in the holy place. We're in the sanctuary. We're behind that first veil. We're in the gates and then now we're in the building. And Azariah the priest went in after him and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And they withstood Uzziah the king, and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense, go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Neither shall it be for thine honour from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was wroth, and had a censer in his hand to burn incense, and while he was wroth with the priests, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah the chief priest and the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted to go out also because the Lord had smitten him. And so, it didn't matter how important you were outside, only certain people, only the priests could enter in to that holy place. And in that holy place was the the showbread, the bread that was the communion, the food of the priests was there. And it sat before the Lord. And the light was there, the candlesticks, that speaks of the, the word of God and the seven church ages, and the light that lights the world. It was only available to the priests. It wasn't available to everyone. And then there was the, the place of incense and that place of incense was the place of offering of prayers that the prayers of the people would be acceptable to God because of the incense that was offered that rose up to heaven and carried with it that sweet smell that God would accept and say the the altar is consecrated and you know the altar of incense was consecrated by the blood of the sacrifice on the horn. So you had to have the sacrifice. Then you had to have the right incense. Then you had to have the right priest. Then you had to have the right offering. That the prayers of the people would be accepted before God. Right in front of the holy place. But in the most holy place. Well, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 9. And just a summary of what we've been saying here from verse 1. Then verily the first covenant also had ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made. The first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbed, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer. And the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot speak, now speak particularly. Now when these things were ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. 
But into the second, the holy place, went the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost is signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was yet standing. And so we know that that's the place where the fellowship of God truly was. And it was limited because of the barriers, because of the trespass, the sin trespass meant these barriers had to be set up and people had to come in in a very particular way so that they wouldn't be struck dead. So that they wouldn't be struck with leprosy. So that they could approach God and stay in good favor with God. And and stay in as much fellowship with God as they were able. Even if it was only the hand on the glass on the other side. But God said, I'm doing this not so that I keep you stuck in this place the whole time. Not so that you're restricted the whole time. I'm doing this to bring about a cure. Okay? Like I, well, I, I tease my dentist. And I tell her, you dentists are terrible people. You just wanted to figure out a way that you could torture people legally. You know? And so, you know, that's kind of my joke. And, and it's pretty painful sometimes. They're jabbing you with the, uh, with the big needle, trying to get you numb enough. And, and it's like, ah! Oh. But we know... That they're doing that and they're taking you through that painful process with a goal in mind. And the goal in mind is a long-term improvement in your situation. The goal isn't the pain. The goal is, you know, relief from that long-term pain afterwards. And so we should be aware of that when we look at the law of God. And when we see the restrictions that God puts on it, and when we see the way he calls on us to live, he's not calling on us to live that way because he wants to restrict us and cause us pain. He's saying, I want you to live this way in order that at the end of the day, there's a relief. (coughs) Excuse me. There's a relief that can come from this. And so, God had a way to bring an end to the trespasses. God had a way to bring an end to and, and open things up. So let's let's just have a look at that by the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay. For the law, this is Hebrews chapter 10. For the law having a good sh- a shadow of good things to come and not the image of those things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because the worshipper once purged should have no more conscience of sins. So if your conscience of, conscience of your sins, if you retain conscience of your sins, you haven't had them purged yet. Okay? And if you remain conscience, conscious of your sins, it means there is a purging for you yet available. Okay? So there are some sins that you do not remain conscious of. <clears throat> let, me, let me break that down a bit. 
Um, there are some things that you used to do in the past that you now say, oh man, I can't even believe I, I did that. How, how could I have even thought about doing that? That's just so foreign to me. It means nothing to me. And the devil can tempt you with that sin and can tempt you and say, hey, we had a, a brother in the church and he had a drinking problem in England and he prayed that the Lord took it, would take it away from him. And he was drinking something like 10 pints of beer uh, a night. So the verge on alcoholic. And so 10 pints, then the next night he, could, he stopped at 9. And he didn't know, and the next night he stopped at 8. And, you know, by, by the time 10 days had passed, he, he didn't have any desire to drink anymore. Okay? And so you could tempt him with beer, and it's like, nah, I've got no desire for that. I've got no conscience of that desire that's passed away. That's a sin that, that it's, it's gone. Alright? But now there are some things that was totally purged from him. Okay? But there are some things... Uh, I know a brother, a wonderful brother, and he, uh, he's, he came from a background where he smoked marijuana. And he became a Christian. And then he would come to church for a while, and then he would start smoking marijuana. And he'd stop coming to church. And then he would struggle against that, and, and then he would stop smoking marijuana, and he'd come back to church, and, and everything would be fine, and he'd go along, and, and then suddenly he'd get into a situation, and he'd smoke marijuana again. Okay, now I'm not saying he isn't saved. I believe he is saved, 100%. But what I'm saying is, he still has conscious, consciousness of that sin of marijuana. He's not been purged from it yet. Because the, the, the sinner once purged has no more conscience of sin. And so look at your life and you'll be able to see things that you've been totally purged from. Okay? And you'll see things that you still struggle with. The things that you still struggle with, you need to take to Jesus and put it under the altar until you don't struggle with it anymore, until it's purged from you. And so it's, we're in this purging time. All right? So it's a very simple way of looking at it. And there is a purging for every sin. Every sin. And we'll get to that place one day. I believe, by the grace of God, we're still in the battle right now. So, every priest, this is verse 11, uh, Every priest standing daily ministereth and offering oft times the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering hath he perfected forever them that are sanctified. Okay, we've done a lot of studying on this. There's a sanctification process that's going on, but there's a perfection there that we get through Jesus Christ. But there's a side effect to this. Verse 19. All right. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, 
by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So, having boldness to enter into the holiest. Now, now you have to go back to, to chapter 9 to see what he's talking about. Verse 3, and after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the gold censer, the Ark of the Covenant, the manor, and the high priest entered it once a year. But he said, now we can enter into that place through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So now, any priest can enter into that sacrifice. Any priest can enter into that space through God's sacrifice. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? All right, which is really good because now we have access to what? To the place where God said to Moses, "I will come down and I will commune with you between the wings of the cherubim, and you can come in there without trespassing." Okay, now now don't come in there uh, unthinkingly. Don't come in there without purifying yourself. Don't come in there expecting that God is going to accept you as you are in that place. Okay? That the, the, the first courtyard where there's the, the sin sacrificing, where there's the uh, offering for burnt offering, that's where God will accept you as you are. But before you get into the holy place, there's the lava. The, the big basin full of water that you have to wash yourself with. Okay, not lava like mountainous, molten rock. But uh, the, the washing place. And so to get into the holy place, you have to wash yourself. Okay? And then you have to go through and you have to make sure you're partaking of the right bread. You have to make sure you're right in prayer. You have to make sure that you're walking by the right light in order to enter into the holy place. So it's not just everyone can barge in. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Okay? So, this is the holiness of the life of the Lord that we should live. So if you're living in conscious of your sins, you haven't had them purged, you have to have them washed away before you can enter into the holy place. How do you wash them away? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. He's our sacrifice. Okay? But it means that broken wall of separation, all can be priests, all priests can enter in. So, uh, yeah. And we see the, the uh, symbolism of the, the, the broken veil. The veil was rent in twain from top to bottom when Jesus died, showing... The way was open to all. But not to all. Because you still had to be a priest to enter in. Alright, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Paul addresses this. 
Wherefore remember that you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, which are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that in times past you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made of both, Jew and Gentile, one, having broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. So what's he saying now? That wall, that separation, that the Jews could pass through and go into the temple grounds, and the Gentiles couldn't pass through, Christ has done away. So now both Jew and Gentile can go into the temple grounds, can go into the place of sanctification. But there's more. There's more because First uh, Peter, and, and also where we started, he's made us all kings and priests. Coming to God. Alright. Verse 4. To whom coming. As unto a living stone. Disallowed indeed of men. But chosen of God and precious. Oh that's good. Okay. Ye also as lively stones. Are built up a spiritual house. A holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices. Acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore it's also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. A stumbling block and a rock of offence. Even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto they were also appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now has have obtained mercy you weren't even a people but he called you and you're not just a people you're also a priesthood and if you're a priesthood then you have access not just to the not just to the uh, in through that first barrier you've also access into that second barrier into the holy place into the sanctuary you have access to the, the the food of the priests to the light of the word to the place the altar of prayer 
But Jesus said, I've made a way that not only do you have access to the sanctuary, you have access to the holy place. I've broken down that partition. I've made a way that all priests can enter in. And I've made a way that all people, can, all Jews can be priests. And I've made a way that all Gentiles can be the children of Abraham. So there's nothing between you. There's no trespass between you and the most holy place. There is only that sanctification that you need to go through. Because we're not in a condition yet where we're free from the sin virus. And so we still have to go through that process of saying, let's live a holy life. Let's consecrate ourselves to the Lord. That when we go into that place, we are right in the eyes of God. And we don't consecrate ourselves through our actions. We consecrate ourselves through faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. And through confession of our sins and putting them under the blood. So it's not about how good you are. It's about how you recognize the difference between right and wrong. How much you commit to living the right. And how much you put the wrong that you do under the blood of Jesus Christ. Washing with the water of the word. Amen. So there's a broken veil. All can enter. All the Gentiles have access to that, that uh, initial test batch called the nation of Israel. That God says, in this batch, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove the way into my presence. All Gentiles can have access to the seed of Abraham. All of the seed of Abraham can have access to the priesthood. And all of the priesthood can have access to the most holy place. And in this way, God has deepened that fellowship that you and I can have with him. That he wants with us. And so what stops us from going in? Not being aware of this. And not preparing ourselves properly. You know, I used to work in lawn maintenance, and it gets pretty hot. And one day, one of my uh, supervisors came, I think I've told you this before, and he gave me a gift. It was a stick of deodorant, okay? And he said, we like it when you come in the office, but, you know... Some some people have been complaining, Derek. So here's a stick of deodorant for you. Okay. So what is that? That's preparation, if you like, to go in the office. So what do we have that can be a sweet-smelling savor to God? How are we preparing ourselves? How are we dressing ourselves? Well, the scripture is full of the ways that we're meant to do that. And the holiness that we're called to. And the footsteps of Jesus that we're prepared to follow in. Not to say, I am holy because I'm like Jesus. But to say, I'm sincere and I'm doing my best to follow. And the blood of Jesus covers everything else. Okay? Not like Paul says, shall we, shall we sin that grace may abound? It's like, well, if you're sinning because you've got grace, abounding grace, you're not taking the abounding grace seriously enough. Okay? But if we can get to a point of a sincere life before God, where we take his grace and we apply it to our lives in the proper way, where we look at where we have conscious of sin and say, that's a sin in my life 
that I need to fight against and purge from my life by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me offer it to God in prayer and in that sacrifice until he purges it from my life. And until then, let me claim the blood of Jesus Christ for my weakness, for how I miss the mark. And in what we've walked, in what we've attained already, walk in that. And what we're yet to attain, claim the blood of Christ for. In soberness, and in seriousness, coming through the altar of sacrifice. Jesus died for us. Coming through the wash, washing place. Let me cleanse myself. Let me be acceptable to him. Coming into the first veil. Walking by the light of God. Not by the light of this world. Eating from the priest's food. Not from the common food. Praying at the altar of incense. And when we've done all that, then going into the holiest place and saying, Lord, won't you commune with me as you promised and as you made a way to? It's something for us today, I believe. The end of trespasses. So let's sing that song. Commune with me. And then we'll close in prayer.
Appreciate the Father, Lord, again. We're just so thankful, Father, for your word tonight, Lord, and just being in your presence. Lord, just our souls are renewed, Lord. We're just so grateful for that, Father. Lord, as we go our separate ways and leave here, Father, and we just ask that your presence surround us, lead us, and guide us, Father. And we just ask that you would just continually be in our minds, Lord, that we would meditate continually upon your word, Lord, Father, for its life. And Lord, we just ask for strength, Lord, as we battle through uh, this life and the enemy, Lord, we just know that you're with us, Lord. So again, Father, as we go tonight, we just want to remember the sick and afflicted, Lord, the needs. Again, Father, we present those before your throne of mercy, Lord. Strengthen each one now, Father, as we go and give each one traveling mercies home. We just ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen.